If you're a Christian, you have a testimony. And Pastor Ed Taylor encourages us to share it and allow God to use it. Don't be ashamed of your testimony. Allow God to use it to bring great and wonderful things. And when we're evangelizing, remember that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And you can get into some really deep arguments, can't you? I mean, if you're not careful, you might, hey, you might find yourself arguing a person away from God instead of closer to him. It's much better to be prayerful and ready and develop a good relationship with someone at the right time in the right setting. God's going to use you at work. He's going to use you at school. He's going to use you in your neighborhood. He's going to use you in your family. This is amazing grace. It's time for Abounding Grace, the radio outreach of Calvary Church in Aurora. Pastor Ed Taylor is in Romans right now, and today we'll have another look at chapter 1, verses 20 through 23. When we left you last time, Pastor Ed was showing us the steps on the pathway to idolatry. The first four were, man ignores God's revelation of himself, God is not glorified as God, man does not thank God, and man becomes futile in his thoughts. We'll pick things up from right there now. Guys, I don't know that there's any other sadder description of a person who rejects God than a dark and empty and twisted heart. I, I, don't, I can't think of another description that's so sad of a person that's rejected the Lord. You know, here's the reality. Many people that are living apart from God absolutely know these things. They know how empty their life is. They, they know maybe that's you. You know the broken heart that you have. And you, you've chosen a path because there's that void in your life and you recognize there's that void, but you really don't want to fill that void with God. You want to fill that void with alcohol. And so you'll take just enough to take the edge off. But what you found out is that alcohol actually has your number. And you can't just take enough anymore to take the edge off because it takes a little bit more every time to take the edge off. And then the pain gets more and then you got to take more. And before you know it, there's no way out. You're in a place where you're completely given over and you're addicted to alcohol or you're addicted to drugs or you're addicted to other relationships where you pick person after person that hurts you over and over and over again. All the while, God, with open arms, he says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And the Bible says his long suffering or God's patience toward us is for salvation. It's so that you might be delivered from the things that have taken you bondage. Delivery from the things that are destroying you. Shedding light on a heart that's dark. And a dark heart not only affects our moral judgment, but also their intellectual and their reasoning powers. It gets so bad where things just, hey, you get to the attitude where anything goes. In the book of Judges, God describes that as he describes the nation of Israel. He says, they were all doing that which was right in their own eyes. And that becomes the standard, our own eyes because we've pushed God completely out of the picture. And a lot of pain and suffering comes with that. Flip your Bibles over to Deuteronomy chapter 8, because I think God gives us more descriptions of this darkness. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 29. It is indeed very dark to have empty thoughts and not to glorify God and not to thank Him. To be in a place where anything goes, there's no restraint. Look at Deuteronomy 28, 29. 
God describes this darkness. And he says in verse 29, And you shall grope at noonday as a blind man gropes in darkness. And you shall not prosper in your ways. You shall be only oppressed and plundered continually, and no one shall save you. That is the end result for an idolatrous heart to someone who's worshiping a false god. Let me read this to you in Isaiah 60, verse 2, describing how idols are made. He says, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and the glory will be seen upon you. That's our choice. And doesn't it make Peter's words all the more powerful in our life when he told us as believers, you are a chosen generation? I mean, isn't that cool? You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, that God, his favors upon you. Listen, A holy nation, his own special people. I mean, you're special in the heart of God. There's a special place in his heart for you. His eyes are ever upon you. He enjoys seeing you grow and seeing you obey and seeing the wonderful work of his spirit in your life. He says that we might proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We sing a song. That we run into the marvelous light that God has called us into. He says, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. And that's what happens when you forsake idols and worship the true and living God. You're a people. You have a purpose now. And God's hands upon your life. Number six, verse 22. The sixth step in idolatry and the pathway to idolatry. Well, it just gets worse, doesn't it? Professing to be wise, verse 22. They became fools. The very next step is that man lives in self-deception. That everything that they're doing is right. And that everything in their spiritual life is in order. But actually they profess to be wise, but on idolatry they became fools. This, my friends, for us is the hinge of evangelizing. This is right here. This is what you're battling with. Because you think, well, why do we need to really go through all this talk on idolatry? Why would Paul spend some time describing the path or away from God? One of them, I think, is for us to understand what we're battling with. Now you understand that we just can't argue with someone. We can't beat them over the head with a Bible. We can't shoot them with some scripture machine gun. That God has to do a work in their hearts. Because we're battling with empty thoughts, dark hearts, professing to be wise, they become fools. And in our lives, that's why it's so important for you to share your testimony. You know that? You have a powerful testimony. Whether you lived in the darkness of this world or not, you have a testimony. And so you start sharing, well, this is going on and that's going on. And, and you start sharing what God has done in your life. You know, they, they might come back, well, well, you really needed it. Well, yeah, I did. Yeah, you're right. I really needed God to intervene in my life. You're right. And so do you. And they can argue a lot with you about Scripture. They can argue a lot with us about what the Bible says. But your testimony is a living epistle of the power of God. Well, Pastor Ed, I don't have, an, I don't have a testimony. I mean, I was, grew up in a Christian home, and I really never did dabble in any of that stuff. Hey, hey, listen, you've got a testimony. That's awesome. Considering the world that we live in, that your parents raised you in a godly way, and you avoided all that pain and suffering. Amen. And don't think for a moment ever in your life that you've got to go out into the world and get a testimony. No, you don't. You stay pure and holy and righteous unto the Lord because the very fact that you grew up in the society that you did and you're living for the things of God, hey, amen. Some of you might have blown it big time. And that's a part of your testimony. 
It's a part of your testimony. You fell, you stumbled, you almost fell. The Bible says your feet, you almost were completely destroyed until God intervened. Don't be ashamed of your testimony. Allow God to use it to bring great and wonderful things. And when we're evangelizing, remember that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And you can get into some really deep arguments, can't you? I mean, if you're not careful, you might, hey, you might find yourself arguing a person away from God instead of closer to him. It's much better to be prayerful and ready and develop a good relationship with someone at the right time in the right setting. God's going to use you at work. He's going to use you at school. He's going to use you in your neighborhood. He's going to use you in your family. And notice we're dealing with dark hearts. We're dealing with those that are self-deceived and we need to pray. We need to pray and our hearts would just explode with the desire to win people to Jesus Christ and see true wisdom replace the foolishness that people are bound up in. Number seven, well, verse 23, it says, they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. And so what happens in this pathway to idolatry is that man begins to worship a false god made in his own image. A false god. That's the heart of idolatry. That in idolatry, man worships himself and other men, forsaking God to worship images that are designed after themselves, that exchange the glory of God for the corruption of man. And they take God... And they reduce God to man's size so that God can be explained now. And God, he, he's much smaller than we really think he is. And you know, this kind of stuff is creeping into the church. Sometimes it sneaks in the back door, but other times the front doors are open wide and say, come on in with all of your false teaching. You know, it's out there. It's on television. It's on the radio. And we need to be careful. We need to be Bereans that study and search the scriptures. You know, it wasn't too long ago that faith teacher Kenneth Copeland said this about God. God is not some creature that stands 28 feet tall and he's got hands, you know, as big as basketballs. He's very much like you and me, a being that stands somewhere around six foot two or six foot three, that weighs somewhere in the neighborhood of a couple hundred pounds, a little better, and has a hand span of about nine inches across. What? Where did that come from? It was made up. That's not in the scriptures. Hey, it wasn't too long ago that Benny Hinn had a real twisted view on God. I quote, man, I hear revelation knowledge already coming on here. Hear it, hear it, hear it. See, God, the Father is a person. God, the Son is a person. God, the Holy Ghost is a person. But each one of them is a triune being by himself. And if I can shock you, and maybe I should, there's nine of them. It's like, what? Where did that come from? Oh, yeah, a few weeks later, he did say that was a dumb statement and he retracted it. But here's the problem. When he said it, he said it as if God was speaking through him. You know what that makes him? A false teacher and a false prophet. And so what are we to do with them? What do we do with false teachers? Reject them. Reject them. Remember the original lie in the garden? The original lie was this. You can jot it down. Genesis chapter 3, verse 5. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Did I mention that was the original lie? That God was been be reduced down to your size? Do you know the Mormons teach falsely? Listen, this is what every Mormon's to memorize. That as man is, God once was. And as God is, man will become. Let me repeat that. That as man is God once was, and as God is, man will become. 
That's the false teaching of the Mormon cult, that you can become like God. You can become a God. God to them is nothing more than an exalted man. And if you accept Mormon doctrine and do your work and you're baptized and you're married in the temple and you're good your whole life, someday you'll be a god or a goddess in your own heaven. It's not true. Faith teacher Kenneth Hagin says that man was created on terms of equality with God. He said we stand in God's presence without any conscience of inferiority. What? Do you remember what God told Moses? God told Moses, if you see me, you will die. And the truth that the scriptures portray to us is very simply, God is God, and you and I are not. And when we begin to reduce God down to our side, you see we're on the pathway to idolatry. God is God. And so what do we do with these false teachings? We reject them and the teachers that bring them. Now I know by now, some of you are like, wait a minute, Pastor Ed. Wait a minute. You said the message was going to be heavy, but it's real heavy right now. Because I listen to those people. And I support those people. And I've been listening for many, many years. And what you're telling me right now, you know, I don't want to believe it. I don't even want to hear it. Because I think they've really impacted my life. And so I'm not sure why, why you'd even share that. Why would you even name names? We know Paul mentioned names all the time. As a matter of fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, you can jot it down. He mentions Hymenaeus and Alexander. He, he mentions people throughout his scripture. Let's turn over there, 1 Timothy, and look at it. And I do realize that there are times to name names, important times. And you know me, you've been here long enough. We're not, every Sunday I'm not coming up and naming names or trying to curse the darkness, or just shine the light of the gospel. But sometimes when you shine the light of the gospel, names are necessary. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience. Can I pause there just for a second? I've had to pray for many weeks now knowing that when we get to this section of Scripture, as a pastor, I'll have a choice to make. I can either gloss over it and move on to the next section, or I can do what God laid on my heart to pause here and teach you through this section on idolatry and making sure I highlight and illuminate for you and shed the light on those that would be teaching us falsely as the nature of God, speaking as if they're speaking for God. And I have to make a decision from time to time as a pastor. And the decision is this, will I fear man or will I fear God? Because the Bible says if I fear man, then I'm going to be trapped. If I fear man, then I'm not going to be a faithful pastor. And believe me, in the realm of ministry, I want nothing more than to be a faithful pastor and to have a good conscience in what I share with you as a congregation, as difficult as it might be for some. And I can tell you that today I have a clean conscience. I'm going to be able to get a good night's sleep because I've done what the Lord has asked me to do and I've shared the truth with you, as difficult as it might be. Because the Bible says if I fear God, fearing God is the beginning of wisdom. Fearing God leads us toward God, not away from God. But if I fear man... Then, then I'm going to I'm going to be in a place where I can be manipulated and moved around and the winds of doctrine can sway me, but I don't want to fear man. I want to fear God. And you could pray that in my life, that I would be a man that continues to fear God and that the fear of man would not be a snare in my life, that I can just keep my eyes on him and be able to teach the word. And so we need to have a good conscience to be able to lay down at night and say, you know, Lord, I've done what you've asked me to do. He says in verse 19, which some have rejected, 
concerning the faith, having suffered shipwreck, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Heavy-duty stuff, huh? I'm not delivering anybody to Satan, but man, Paul's got some heavy-duty stuff here. And he names them so that everyone would know Hymenaeus and Alexander. Watch out for these guys. Watch out for them. Flip over to Acts chapter 17 because I want nothing more than for you to be Bereans. And this is where we get that phrase from, Bereans. Look at Acts chapter 17. Naming names is important sometimes. And I'm just a man, you know, because you could come to the place where, wait a minute, who are you? Ed, who are you who could tell me all that stuff? I could tell you right now. I can answer that for you. I'm nobody. I'm just a man that loves the Lord Jesus Christ, that wants to be used by him. And we could take scriptures, and we could take what people say. You could take what I say and compare it to the scriptures. And that's what I want you to learn how to do. I don't want you just to take my word for it. If you want more information, email me. I'll send you enough information to keep you busy for a couple weeks. Because I've looked at this already. I haven't taken this lightly. And looking at the false teachings that are out there that pervade television for the most part, but just unbelievable what's being presented to us as true Christianity, and it's not. This is where I desire our church to be. Verse 10, chapter 17. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. It's a city. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. And these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Know your word. Study it. Examine every CD you listen to, every tape, every book, every TV show. Take what they say, examine it by the word of God, and when it contradicts the word of God, please, please, please choose God's word over a personality or a person that you might be loyal to. Listen, I was sharing the gospel with somebody in their 60s, somebody who I know, and it was great. It was over a period of time, and there was a big battle going on Because this person was such a good person. I mean, really. You could see it in their life. They loved people. They cared for people. He he was a neat, neat guy. The only problem was is that he wasn't born again. And God dropped him into my life, and I began to share the gospel. And there was a battle going on. You know the greatest battle? The greatest battle in his life was pride. And here, this is how it looked. I'm like in my 60s right now, and what you're telling me is I've been wrong my whole life? And that was a battle. It was a real battle. Because it was hard to come to that place to say, you know, I've been wrong all this, all these, I've tried to do good, I've tried to be a moral person, but I've been wrong. And it was a real, real struggle to finally get over that hump, over the hump of pride, to the point where he said, you know, you're right. I do need Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins. And he prayed to receive the Lord. What I find when God teaches us in his word new things like today, when he teaches us new things, there's a barrier of pride. He says, well, no, no, I can't be wrong. Well, no, 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 I, I, no I, 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 there's no way in the world I could be wrong in this area. And I ask you, I just ask you, lay the pride aside and seek the Lord. Pray through it. Pray through the, the truths that are revealed here. Pray through the things that are there and reject them. As your pastor and as a fellow believer, I ask you, stop supporting them and stop watching and listening to them. And spend that time in God's word. I'll tell you what, it'll bless you. And be careful. There's a lot of people that would like to shipwreck your faith. And to draw you after themselves. 
Flip back to Romans now, chapter 16. And what we're finding today is simply what the Word of God says. Remember in Psalm 23, David talks about the shepherd and he talks about the rod and the staff. Well, one was a very gentle instrument and one was a very provoking instrument. And there'll be times from the pulpit where you're just like, oh, beautiful staff, it's, oh, it's wonderful. And other times you're like, whoa, whoa, what was that? And that's the Holy Spirit using his rod in your life, teaching you. Look at chapter 16, verse 17. It says, now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you learn. The doctrine which you learn, sound doctrine, right teaching. The Bible says that there is right teaching and there is wrong teaching. The, the, the Bible says there's right doctrine and there's wrong doctrine. And so be loyal and faithful to the right doctrine revealed in God's word. And those that are teaching contrary to sound doctrine, what does your Bible say to do? Avoid them. Avoid them. These false teachings and others are clearly on the pathway to idolatry, but do you know it gets worse? That originally I had seven points, but I have an eighth. Go back to Romans chapter 1. It gets worse. So not only is the image of God being made into the likeness of men, but man actually goes one more step down. He says, and change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. That man will even begin to worship animals and insects. You know the Egyptians worship the dung beetle? Yeah, that's what I thought. The dung beetle of all the insects out there, why would you choose one in the dung? What are you thinking? The Egyptians were known to worship all sorts of animals, bulls and crocodiles. They worship falcons and jackals, you know, the Romans. They worship eagles and licentiousness, sexual behavior. They even got to the place where they worshiped Caesar, their ruler. Not only that, but the Hindus have manufactured over 330 million gods and counting to worship in place of God. Do you know Buddhists? They have quite a few idols themselves, but they also have a temple I've found that's dedicated to the worship of teeth. Yes, that's a god to them, teeth. Because once you leave God and there's an emptiness and a void in your mind and in your heart, anything will fill it. Do you know what I found today? That I've seen people worship their bodies. I've seen people worship their cars, their careers. I've seen people worship their spouse, movie stars, rock stars, animals, cows, birds, you name it. You know, even segments of Christianity today teach the veneration of idols and the worship of idols. And you'll see them scattered throughout their church buildings and on the property. And to some points, there's worship of idols within Christendom today. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says, don't do it. You can jot these down and I'll read them to you. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, it says, you shall have no other gods before me. In Isaiah 44, 12, it says, the blacksmith with the tongs works one, an idol, in the coals, fashions it with hammers, works it with the strength of his arms. Even so, he is hungry and his strength fails and he drinks no water and is faint. John would write in 1 John chapter 5, verse 21, he would say, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Who's John writing to again? Do you know? Believers. He's writing to believers. When he says little children, John is saying to believers, keep yourselves from idols. Why? Because an idolatry can creep into the church. An idolatry can creep into the Christian's life. An idolatry can creep into the Christian's home. 
It can so easily happen to us if we're not careful. Today on Abounding Grace, we've been encouraged away from idolatry and toward the worship of the true and living God. It's part of our study in Romans. If you've enjoyed the message, hear it again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. That's AboundingGraceRadio.com. And if you haven't already, download our free app. That way you can listen to our program right there on your phone or tablet. Search for Calvary Church Aurora. At Abounding Grace, we're committed to bringing the truths of God's Word to the radio every day. But we can't do it alone. We look to our listeners to help us provide these daily studies. And today, when you give a donation of $25 or more, be sure to request Jesus Revolution by Greg Laurie and Ellen Vaughn. You'll be encouraged as you hear how God transformed an unlikely generation and how He can most certainly do it again. Call us right now at 877-30-GRACE, and we'll gladly take your request. That's 877-30-GRACE. Next time, we'll receive God's view of homosexuality when our study in Romans resumes on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.